Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin Hamden yuafi ni'ama ve yukafi'u mazida Ya Rabbena lekel hamd kema yenbagi li celali vecihike ve azimi sultanik ve salatu ve selam التامان الدائمان المتلازمان على سيدنا محمد النبي الأمي خاتم الرسل والنبيين صفوة الله من خلقه وخيرته من عباده وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وصحبه ومن تبعهم بإحسان أما بعد So beloved listeners, uh, welcome to this uh, new series for this Ramadan. Uh, for this new Ramadan, whether you started Ramadan today or whether you will be starting tomorrow, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless this month for you and for all of us. May Allah drench us in the outpourings of the absolute showers and the storms of His mercy that descend during this month that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has specially prepared uh, for us all, for the believers. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this uh, month a blessed one and better than any month of Ramadan before it and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala connect us and use this may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow these sessions to be a connection between us and him especially through his words which uh, which is the Quran so before we get into the discussions that we are here for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us this Quran and every Muslim believes in the Qur'an, many, many Muslims know how to read the Qur'an and there's uh, a great number that also have memorized the Qur'an. And in Ramadan especially, there's lots and lots of Muslims who actually recite the Qur'an and who listen to tafsirs of the Qur'an. And probably most masajid in the world, we would assume, in the month of Ramadan would have the entire Qur'an recited during Taraweeh prayer as well. So the Qur'an has a lot of attention and a lot of attention has been actually paid to the Qur'an. If you look in history, there's probably no other book which has had so much attention that's been paid to it, so much service that's provided to it. There's probably no other book that uh, has got so much attention, so much work done on it, so much discussion about it, and so much has been produced about it uh, as, as the Qur'an. Um, for so many ge generations, people have been producing, have been doing tafsirs, have been explaining different aspects of the Qur'an, have been tracing its historicity, tracing uh, the way it was written, the way it's pronounced. All of these things um, are about the Qur'an. I don't think there's a single other book out there with this much attention paid to it. I mean, if we're just to try to see how many books there are written on the tafsir of the Qur'an, I don't think we could probably count it in the various different languages around the world that Muslims speak. For example, if you look at translations of the Qur'an, I mean, some of the first earliest English translations were there from the 15th century or probably uh, actually even earlier. Uh, in, that's just in English and in many, many other, many, many other languages, the translations of the Qur'an, that's a science on its own to discuss uh, how a translation is good and what's so good about a translation and so on. Likewise, the tafsirs themselves, I mean, there are so many different types of tafsir and there are numerous books that have categorized the different commentaries of the Qur'an, that these are spiritual commentaries, these are juridical commentaries, these are commentaries based on uh, explaining, trying to explain the Qur'an with the Qur'an. 
there are those which are at tafsir bil ma'thur as they call them which is a tafsir that tries to provide the explanation through hadith like for example tafsir ibn kathir there's the shorter ones there's the longer ones uh, there's those that talk about a lot of the additional philosophical aspects, the metaphysical aspects, the theological aspects. And there's just no end to, mashallah, tafasir. And we've got so much in front of us that we can benefit from. If we then move on to something uh, even more specific, the tajweed of the Quran. I mean, just see how many books there are on the tajweed of the Quran. Tajweed means how to correctly recite the Quran. There are numerous books on that subject. And that's something which is taught as a separate topic, you know, when it comes to something related to the Qur'an is the tajweed of the Qur'an. Likewise, there are infinite number of reciters of the Qur'an. SubhanAllah, uh, online uh, recordings, even before there were any kind of online facilities like that, you had the cassettes and the records and uh, the mini discs and the CDs and all of these other things where there had been recitations going on throughout from the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Ubay ibn Ka'b radiallahu anhu down the ages the the main Qurra there were many many you know people ran to congregate to listen to the Quran there were various different styles of Quranic recitation there were different modes of recitation, but then just in terms of the intonation, in terms of the tunes, in terms of uh, the styles with which people read. MashaAllah, this has been something that has amazed, uh, amazed people and inspired people throughout the ages. Can you imagine how many qaris that, that there have been of the Qur'an? If you move on, then you speak about copies, editions of the Qur'an, calligraphies. I mean, I've got several books that produce, that have reproduced, uh, that have featured rather, some of the most uh, amazing calligraphy that has been produced. Uh, throughout our history, I mean, there's been lots of wonderful calligraphers. I mean, that's an art of its own. SubhanAllah, can you believe it that there is an art on its own that, you know, is like an offshoot of a service to the Qur'an? which is the calligraphy and the beautiful way that it is written and inscribed and uh, you know again again for the sake of uh, be being more welcoming for the Quran some of the best calligraphies uh, for example um, those that have been produced for the rulers of the past the kings the sultans and so on they've been some of the best because that's where a huge amount of money would be spent gold uh, inlaid illuminated uh, calligraphy uh, of the entire Quran, subhanAllah, I've got a number of specimens, you know, uh, featured in different books that y you, you can be amazed by. The amount of khidmah there is of the Quran, I mean, there's just no doubt regarding the Quran. Based on all of this, one is the direct tafsir of the Quran, but then the second thing which many of you may have been concerned about or were curious about is that why have we considered, uh, call this series the Ulum al-Quran, right, 30 days of Ulum al-Quran. So Ulum al-Quran, just to break that down quickly and to explain that to you, the word Ulum al-Quran refers to the sciences of the Quran. So the word Ulum is the plural of Ilm, right? Ilm means knowledge, but in this particular context, it means it's a title, so it refers to science. And a science of the Quran just means a collection of ideas, right? A collection of ideas of a specific topic. So there are many, many, many topics related to the Qur'an and the collection of each of these ideas and principles and rules and so on on each of these topics, they, that, each of them make an ilm of the Qur'an and thus when you have 
uh, a number of them and we're, go we're going to go through between 25 to 30 of them depending on uh, how long it will take for us to do this in the time that has been allotted for us. So um, there will be certain topics which we'll be able to cover in one session and there will be certain topics we may, which we may have to take two sessions in because they're a more profound topic or a more detailed topic and there will be some that we'll be able to cover two or three topics uh, in, uh, in one session as well. So you will be amazed by uh, the discussion there but the point is not to be amazed. The point of this Ulum al-Quran session, the sciences of the Quran session, right? And in the introduction we've already provided uh, what this means we're going to be discussing for example how the Quran was revealed Right, the various different ways that the Prophet would actually receive the revelation. That's amazing. It was almost like a download from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the Prophet would receive, right, bit by bit over 23 years. How exactly did that used to come? What used to happen to the Prophet? Then we will discuss uh, what is the reason for the way the surahs and the verses, in fact, have been listed in the particular way in the Quran that they have. Why do we have to stick to that? Why do we have to adhere to that routine? And so on and so forth. These are just some ideas. So the purpose of this is not to just be amazed by this, but actually it's an honor, right? That we also put our name into those who have studied the Quran. The Prophet ﷺ said, Khayrukum man al-Qur'ana wa'allama. Really simple hadith. But it is so easy to practice on this hadith if we make a bit of an effort. The Prophet ﷺ said the best of you is the one who studies the Qur'an and who teaches it. You have to do study first before you can teach something, but who studies the Qur'an and who teaches the Qur'an. So now this is all part of that. We're hoping that inshallah this month of Ramadan we spend also trying to qualify in being the best of people. Because for the Prophet ﷺ, he said, the best of you is the one who studies the Qur'an, teaches it. So while we're reading the Qur'an during this month, as a lot of people continue to read the Qur'an, but we're also going to study the Qur'an. We're going to study the issues related to the Qur'an, everything that serves the Qur'an, the various different sciences and, and bits of knowledge and topics and, uh, and other subjects that relate to the Qur'an that would be of benefit, inshallah. So then one of the main things is that we want to, inshallah, qualify in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as some of the best of people, this will be our little effort to try to inshallah do more uh, during this Ramadan. Also after our 30 day tafsir last year in the last Ramadan, uh, which is still available for those uh, who did not uh, get to listen to it, it's available. Um, it's available online through the Zamzam Academy channel. But mashallah, many of you right, have been asking. We've received so many messages throughout the year asking for something more, asking for something more. And as we were drawing closer to Ramadan, people were saying, what this year, what kind of tafsir will it be this year? So we decided to take it a notch up and to try to do ulum al-Quran. Because mashallah, many people cover tafsirs of the Quran, but this will provide parts of tafsir as well, of course. But it will also provide, inshallah, some additional information that generally is not there, which leads to a lot of confusion if people do not know about this. So that's the, the second and a really big objective of these classes is that we hope that we will try to cover some of the most important things that relate to the Quran that are beneficial for us to know. Not just beneficial, but I think important for us to know, significant for us to know. And the benefit of this will be, inshallah, that we will be able to love the Qur'an more, appreciate the Qur'an more, right? And understand and be able to acknowledge and recognize the, the efforts that have been, that have un, been undertaken uh, for the Qur'an uh, to uh, come to us, right? And 
why we need to be closer to the Quran. All of this, inshallah, will be discussed. We'll try to, inshallah, through this, we're trying to become better connected to the Quran, better relate to the Quran, and become more aware of the various different things that uh, the, the different subjects that relate to the Quran. Why is this important? Another reason is that we've seen in the last few years, um, maybe more so actually in the last few years, it's not just been the last few years, I mean we've had this issue throughout our history, but more so in the last few years we've had people even coming from within the Muslim community who are raising questions about various different aspects of the Quran, right? different things related to the Quran. Now for the most part the majority of people would not know these sciences and when they don't know these sciences, and a person provides a bit of a, a question on something. For example, the seven readings of the Quran. There was a question about that uh, that uh, was raised uh, some, some several months ago. It caused a huge uh, confusion. We got so many questions. We received so many questions about it. So if a person is not aware of the various different dimensions of the Quran and the various sciences related to the Quran, a small question out there somewhere, a small doubt that's created somewhere will sweep you off your feet and will cause you a lot of aggravation. So inshallah, by becoming aware of this, the benefit of it is that inshallah, then you'll spread this point, these points to others inshallah. You'll be able to calm people down. You'll be able to um, also... Uh, uh, calm people down as well when these kind of things happen so and and of course be confident yourself and that's the most important thing that's why uh, inshallah we'll be able to understand better the purposes of the Quran the realities of the Quran and dis uh, uh, dispel any doubts regarding its authenticity as well inshallah so with that we say bismillah and uh, we are about to inshallah um, delve into this may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy and um, we hope to take you along inshallah uh, Allah bless you all um, and Allah give us blessing and barakah in our time, right? Because uh, uh, inshallah and we hope that this is a time well spent. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir raheem Qul la in ijtama'atil insu wal jinnu ala an yatu bimithli hadhal qur'ani la yatuna bimithli وَلَوْ كَانَ بَعْضُهُمْ لِبَعْضٍ ظَهِيرًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if uh, humanity and the jinn kind all came together to try to produce something similar, the like of this Qur'an, they would not be able to produce the like of it. Even if they assisted, even if they became assistants of one another, even if they started to help one another and they collectively tried to make this effort, they would not be able to do so. So, that is the inimitable nature of the Qur'an. Now, as I said earlier, the scholars have been discussing the various different sciences uh, relating to the Qur'an um, for centuries, right? For centuries, they've been discussing different aspects about the Qur'an. And there are numerous books that were produced regarding it. So, I've already, already, already discussed what Ulumul Quran refers to, it's just the plural of Ilmul Quran, which essentially means the various different subjects and sciences related to the Quran. And all of these books are different. Uh, initially, parts of tafsir, for example, Imam Tabari, I would say he, he, uh, Imam Tabari's tafsir is probably one of the, uh, one of the earliest tafsirs uh, and commentaries of the Quran that we have published today. And it's probably one of the most authentic because everything that he transmits, he transmits through a chain from him up to the earliest mufassirs, like for example, uh, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, 
and uh, the, uh, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, then some of the tabi'een. Now, obviously, something that is related through a direct chain that he relates from his teacher, him from his teacher, him from his teacher, up to Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, that a certain verse means something, right? That's going to be, you know, as long as the people in between are authentic, that's going to be a very authentic tafsir. Now, however, before he starts his tafsir, he has a number of topics that he deals with. So not all tafsirs do that. If you look at the original books of tafsir, the commentaries of the Quran, you'll find that a number of them actually cover before they actually start with Surah Al-Fatiha or describing or detailing what Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim is. What they do is they actually uh, discuss um, several different sciences related to the Quran, but not all mufassirs do that. Imam Tabari did that, for example, right? And likewise, uh, Imam Qurtubi in his Al-Jami' Al-Ahkam Al-Quran, which is an amazing uh, tafsir, another amazing tafsir, right? Imam Qurtubi who's from Cordoba in, in Spain, in southern Spain, Andalusia. You know, his tafsir is an amazing tafsir. It's one of the, the most popular tafsirs as well. Although he came uh, quite a few centuries after Imam Tabri, he also starts off with uh, some different subjects regarding Ulum Al-Quran. But they, as I said, they do not all do this, right? Now, that's so. Um, uh, some of the Mufassirin, uh, some of the commentators of the Quran, the exegetes of the Quran, they would actually incorporate different sciences related to the Quran uh, within their tafsirs, in the beginning of their tafsir. There were others who would uh, add it into their hadith books, in the hadith commentaries, and so on. However, one of the first people to actually write a more comprehensive, like somewhat comprehensive collection. Uh, on the ulum al-Quran was uh, <clears throat> actually none other than one of my famous uh, one of my favorite scholars who died in about 597 Hijri so that's quite a few centuries in right 597 Hijri his name was Abu al-Faraj Abdul Rahman ibn al-Jawzi the great Hanbali scholar of Baghdad right Abdul Rahman ibn al-Jawzi you can read more about him in the Saviors of Islamic Spirit there's a wonderful coverage in there by Sheikh Abdul Hassan Ali Nadwi he wrote Fununul Afnan fi Uyuni Ulum al Quran. Fununul Afnan fi Uyuni Ulum al Quran. Essentially saying that, that these are the various different subjects and topics relating to the main aspects of, of uh, uh, you know, the sciences of the Quran. That is considered by many as one of the earliest books, right? One of the earliest books in a comprehensive kind of manner. Not to say people didn't discuss this before. Now, I'm not going to bore you with a list of names of all of the books, but I do want to mention. Uh, some of the other books, unfortunately, a lot of these books are not in English. They're only in Arabic and maybe there's a translation in some other languages. But some of the other really featured ones, which uh, most people will resort to when they want to study Ulum Al-Quran, right? And we will indirectly or directly benefit from these as well. There are two others that, that people have to mention. And one of them is Imam Badruddin Muhammad ibn Abdullah Az-Zarkashi, who died in 794. So now we're talking about, you know... Um, Two centuries after uh, uh, Ibn al-Jawzi, rahimahullah, he wrote Al-Burhan fi Ulum al-Quran. The Burhan. A Burhan means the proof, right? That Al-Burhan fi Ulum al-Quran. That is a book that lots of people consult, right? When they want to study Ulum al-Quran. And then thirdly, the third book that, that we have to mention is widely available. And there is actually, Torah Publishing have published a, uh, a, a abridged, an abridged version of this. Right, an abridged version, not the full version, an abridged version. The, uh, the full version is very, very big. It's uh, 
two volumes at least, I think. They've published a very small abridged edition of it. It's called Al-Itqan Fi Ulum Al-Quran. Al-Itqan. Itqan means to solidify something, to perfect something. So it's Al-Itqan Fi Ulum Al-Quran. And this is by none other than the great scholar. His name you must have heard, Jalaluddin Abdul Rahman Al-Suyuti. He died in 911. He died on 9-11 Hijri. 9-11 Hijri a few centuries ago. Right. He benefited also from the earlier book, the Burhan, that I just spoke of, Zarkashi. He benefited from that and added many, many points uh, to that as well. So uh, there you go. And then recently there's been a number of other great books in the Quran. I said I don't need to bore you with the names of them, but if you're interested, you know, uh, some that really, that really uh, are, are worth checking out. One is Manahilul Irfan fi Ulum al Quran. It was written in the early 1900s right, by Zurqani. Right? This is considered to be an amazing book, Manahil Irfan, Muhammad Abdul Azim Zurqani, and uh, that was written as in the early 1900s. And then there's a number of others that uh, I'm not going to necessarily mention. Some of those that we will be benefiting uh, from will be, uh, I will mention them inshallah as we go along, but uh, one of the books that we will be also benefiting from is Nur, Sheikh Nuruddin Itar, who passed away recently. Uh, his book on the Ulum al-Quran, uh, we'll be dealing with that, inshallah we'll be reading that. And if you want, I know there's one, aside from the abridged version of uh, the Itqan fi Ulum al-Quran which Turath has published, there is another one which is written by Mufti Taqi Uthmani called Ulum al-Quran or the discourses in the Quran, it's been translated into English, that's quite extensive as well. So if anybody wants something in English, th there you go, it's in Urdu as well. And the Urdu one, I think it's, uh, it's maybe more, uh, I'm not sure if the English one is a full translation of the, uh, the Urdu one, but the Urdu one is very, very extensive as well. Right, having said that, um, the Quran is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, تَذْكِرَةً لِمَنْ يَخْشَى تَذْكِرَةً لِمَنْ يَخْشَى تَنْزِيلًا مِمَّنْ خَلَقَ الْأَرْضَ وَالسَّمَاوَاتِ الْعُلَى It's a reminder for those who fear. The Quran is a reminder for those who fear. It's a revelation from the one who has created the earth and who's created the high heavens. That is what the Quran is. And by saying that, let us begin now with some of the absolute basics. Right? Now, some of these things will seem to you, uh, for some of you, may be very, very basic and other things may be quite elaborate and complicated. Right? Um, so there will be a whole uh, uh, array of different subjects that we'll, we'll do and uh, we'll, we'll take care of, inshallah, with the tawfiq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Firstly, let us discuss what is this name, the Qur'an. What does the word Qur'an mean? We keep using the word Qur'an, 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 Qur'an. What exactly does the word Qur'an mean and why has it been used you know, for this? At the end of the day, Qur'an is an Arabic word. And it actually comes from Qara'a, which means to recite. So Qara'a is an Arabic word, which means something to recite. So the word Qur'an, uh, similar to Ghufran, right? Qur'an, Ghufran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, He refers to the Quran as the Quran. Allah says, for example, Now, what's interesting here is that the word that's used here is actually not in the meaning of the title, the Quran. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that it is our responsibility to have it consolidated and gathered together for you. Inna alina jam'ahu wa qur'ana. Qur'ana. Fa'idha qara'nahu. So when we recite it, fattabi' qur'ana, you also pursue its reading. So 
it's here in the meaning of recitation because that's the literal meaning of Quran. That's the literal, literal meaning of Qara'a yaqra'u, Qara'atul Quran. You know, I have recited Qira'a and Quran means recitation. That's its real, real meaning. However, it then was chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be used for as a description, as a title, and as a name for the entire set of verses, the 114 surahs and all of the verses of the Qur'an collectively is now called the Qur'an. That's what we refer to it as. So there's a, now the scholars have uh, provided a technical definition of the Qur'an. Right? There's numerous verses with, uh, with Qur'an in there. Inna anzalnahu um, Qur'anan arabiyan uh, Quran and Arabian, so there it actually is referring to the name, right, as the, as this book, as this book. So that is the most famous and well-known and popular name of the Quran, right? Can you think of any other names of the Quran? Does anybody have any ideas of any other names of the Quran that they can come up with? What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has called it or anybody else for that matter? Furqan is another one, which means the criterion will be dealing with. We'll be looking at that. Any anything else? Another most famous is what you start off with. ذلك الكتاب كتاب the kitab الكتاب أنزلنا الكتاب right kitab is another word. So let's first talk about the Quran. Scholars have defined the Quran. What is it? What is a comprehensive and exclusive and preclusive? Definition of the Quran. All right. So this is how they've defined it. Now be patient with this, right? Al Quranu huwa kalamullahi al Quranu huwa kalamullahi al Munazzalu ala nabiyyi Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al Maktubu fil Masahif al Mankulu bit Tawatur al Mutaabad bitilawati al Mu'jiz walaw bi suratim minhu. That is an extremely comprehensive definition of the Qur'an. And I think you should probably write down it in English if you don't have it in Arabic because it's really comprehensive. This will actually make it very clear. And lots of people have this, uh, have this confusion. You know, Hadith al-Qudsi, the divine narrations from the Prophet in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks. But Allah is speaking in there as well. Those are Allah's words as well. How do they differ from the Qur'an? Why can't we recite those and get reward the way when we recite the Qur'an we receive reward? Right, and aren't the hadith also general hadith? Aren't they inspired by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as well? Okay, what is the difference between that? So that is all of that. Inshallah, is what we're going to discuss. But this definition, let me translate it for you. And if you want to write it down, you can. The Quran it are the words of Allah, or is the word of Allah that? So that's number one. Is the word of Allah that has been revealed upon the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa so not, uh, no other Prophet, but Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa too. That should be enough. No, they've added some other additional parts, which has been written in the masahif, which has been written in the copies, handwritten, you know, or written in, uh, you know, in books, in volumes. That's number three. Number four, which has been transmitted from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa to us through continuous, widespread, continuous, uninterrupted transmission. There was, from the time of the Prophet to us, the Quran has been transmitted through thousands, hundreds of thousands, and it's only increasing, millions maybe, of people in every generation, to such a degree 
that they would they could never have come together to have agreed that let's make this part of the Quran which was not part of the Quran something that was not part of the Quran it it it, it just um, would be impossible for that to happen because of the sheer number of people who have been transmitting the Quran such a number could never come together to make up something right because there'd always always be somebody or the other who would probably inform of them or something like that so the continuous number the wide expansive uh, continuum that we have generation after generation without any gap proves the authenticity of the Quran so that's the fourth point that's part of the definition of the Quran the fifth one is al-muta'abbad bi-tilawati which means the speech which you would be worshipping Allah or expressing your devotion by reciting the thing which with, when you recite you express your devotion so it's a worship to recite it you actually get a reward for, for reciting this. And we'll inshallah explain this in a bit more detail. And the last point, the, the, the six points. So this definition is made up of six points, right? You can see how beneficial each one of these are. The sixth point is Al-Mu'jiz, Walaw bi surati Minhu, which is in, inimitable even by a single shorter surah of it. What does that inimitable mean? Meaning that's the miracle nature. That's something which we can consider to be its miracle nature that it cannot be challenged, right? Even a short, the shortest surah in it. Nobody can even reproduce something that can compare with the shortest surah of it. Now, there's a lot of discussion there. Each of these is going to be discussed in much more detail later on as we, as we go on. And that is the Ulum al-Quran will be, you know, will, will form part of, this will form part of that as well. But that's the definition. Number one, it is the speech of Allah revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, written in, uh, in the copies uh, and, um, and uh, transmitted through continuous widespread without uninterrupted transmission. Uh, that which is a devotion and a worship to recite, and that which is inimitable, unchallenged, and not comparable. That's the definition of the Quran. So if somebody asks you, what is the Quran? That is what you will tell them. As many of those points as possible. So let us quickly go through each one of these in a bit more detail uh, for today, inshallah. Firstly, it is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which the first two points, speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That shows you that this is nobody else's speech. This is not the speech of the angel. There were some Orientalists like uh, Arthur Graham Bell, right, in the early 1900s or whatever. And uh, he did this translation of the Quran and he kind of gave these, uh, gave these really weird ideas that yeah, this verse was said by Muhammad. This one doesn't make sense uh, to be part of it. It doesn't really flow. So this was actually maybe the words of some angels or something. And then he says, oh, and these words, they seem like they were just notes written on the back of the paper or the parchment or whatever that the Quran was uh, written on, a verse was written on. And then it was just incorporated in it because he couldn't see any logical conclusion. He could not see any logical sequence. So he just came up tentatively saying all of these things. Of course, I mean, there's not just him. There was at least another one or two who did the same thing. But Alhamdulillah, today, you know, even the Orientalists have dismissed that idea. All right, because it was just um, it, it was just a really futile idea. But to give you an idea that this is what people have done, right? So the Quran, everything in the Quran comes from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. It's not the words of anyone else. Otherwise, it would not be called the Quran. For it to be called the Quran, it has to be 
the uh, it has to be the direct words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the hadiths are actually not the direct words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're inspirations. The Prophet sallallahu has a, an idea that's inspired and then he uses his own words to explain it. Even the hadith al-Qudsi, the exact words are not necessarily the inspiration that, hey, say it in this word. Right? This is exactly how you must say it. The Quran was, this is exactly how you must say it. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you read Surah Al-Qiyamah, La uqsimu biyawmi al-Qiyamah, the whole discussion is in there. La, um, um, فَإِذَا قَرَأْنَاهُ فَاتَّبِعْ قُرْآنَ ثُمَّ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا بَيَانَ كَلَّا بَلْ تُحِبُّونَ الْعَاجِ And then it carries on. But there it was, the discussion is that the Prophet ﷺ, when Jibreel السلام, used to come with the Qur'an and he used to read the verses, the Prophet ﷺ used to try to repeat them fast, 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 right? So that he could memorize them. And the Prophet ﷺ was told by Allah Taala, Don't move your tongue quickly so that you can rush in haste to, uh, you know, um, uh, preserve this Qur'an. It is our responsibility, the verse I read earlier, it's our responsibility to have it gathered and consolidated and preserved in your heart for you. Right? But for us, one of the best ways for memorizing the Qur'an is actually to repeat it over and over again, to say it quickly over and over again, as the Hufaz will tell you. So, the Qur'an is not the words of any insan, uh, no human being, no jinn, no angel, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, obviously, means that it's not the Torah, the Zabur, the Psalms, or the Evangel, or any other book. This Qur'an can only be, was only, re upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it does, not, it does not include parts of the Bible, you know, taken from the, the Evangel. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it part of this, in the sense that He revealed it as part of the Qur'an, that would be different. Because there are many ideas that are found in here, that are found... وَكَتَبْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ فِيهَا أَنَّ النَّفْسَ بِالنَّفْسِ وَالْعَيْنَ بِالْعَيْنِ وَالْأَنْفَ بِالْأَنْفِ وَالْأُذُنَ بِالْأُذُنِ We prescribed upon them, meaning the Yahud in, in their book, right? We prescribed upon them that a life will be taken for a life and an eye for an eye, a nose for a nose and so on and so forth. So those kind of things have been repeated and added in here where it was necessary, but there was nothing taken uh, and, and become part of the Qur'an directly by the Prophet The next point, which is Al-Maktubu fil Masahif that which is written in a copy. So the Qur'an is written. Now there's some people who may have never seen a written Qur'an. You know, for them it was all memorization. I mean, today that's kind of impossible, right? But I'm, I'm saying they've made this part of the definition that the Qur'an must, is also considered the part which is written as well, right? Because this is how the Qur'an has been preserved from the time of the Prophet ﷺ until now. In fact, in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, at some, uh, you know, uh, the, only the Quran was allowed to be written, right? That's why uh, a lot of the hadith, although some hadith was also written by some of the Sahaba, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiAllahu anhu, Amr ibn As, uh, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As radiAllahu and others, but nothing was allowed to be written along with the Quran. Whatever was written as the Quran, when the Prophet would receive the revelation, he would quickly because he couldn't write himself. He would memorize it, right? He would have it in his mind because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given it in his mind. He would quickly call Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu, Muawiyah radiallahu anhu or somebody else, right? And, and others, and others, and they would, uh, they would basically write it down because they knew how to write, written on different kind of pieces. We'll discuss that later. Inshallah, we'll discuss that later. Nothing was allowed. That's why there was a, a, an idea, Jarridul Qur'an, like keep the Qur'an completely away from anything else so that nothing should be confused as becoming part of the Qur'an. All right. We'll discuss all of this in a lot more detail, insha'Allah. 
in fact, it was called Jarridul Masahif, like keep the copies of the Quran completely away from any other kind of writings so nobody mistakes it. Right, the, the, the next point was that which has been transmitted through un in interrupted chain, right? And that's quite easy to understand. But uh, you see, for if you hear something, a new news or a, a piece of uh, speech, a bit of speech of someone else and one person has told it to you or even two people or even three people, right? You could logically, rationally assume that uh, if you have any doubt about that, that these three people, they got together to make this up. It's possible, right? Four people, you have four people. Let's just say the moon, right? There's a certain area. Right? I'm not starting a moon debate about caesarean moon births or anything like that. But the point is that, let's just say, from a certain area, there's one person who sees the moon and nobody else sees it anywhere else. Then we would probably say, maybe he saw something else, maybe he's mistaken. What about if two people see it? What about if three people see it? We could still say that maybe they, saw, they all saw the same mistake. There was uh, maybe um, something that they saw that was there that looked like the moon. Nobody else saw it. The, uh, the, the sky was clear. All right? Now four people, five people, six people. Generally they say that when the sky is clear, then just one person sighting is not sufficient. You need to have what they call jam ghafir, which means such a huge expanse of people. What number, right? Such an expanse of people, right? So you can't fix it on a certain number of people. Because if you say 10 people, still 10 people, they could be you know, part of the same club and they could have decided as a conspiracy that let us... Uh, say that we saw the moon. That's a possibility. So you have to see the nature of the people and there are people who have given different numbers but when it comes to the Quran we're talking about thousands of people in every generation. There were thousands of Sahaba who took the Quran from the Prophet From the Sahaba there were you know many 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 more thousand or million of Tabi'een who and then the successors of them and so on. There's just no way that all of these people would have gotten together Right, and said, let us make up a verse or let us take away a verse. And people would have agreed. Because th there were individuals who tried this. There are claims from certain individuals that there are verses missing in the Quran. Or there are also uh, some who claim that uh, we should uh, uh, take away some verses of the Quran. They're not really part of the Quran. We've had individuals who may have done that. But the majority has had the same Quran throughout. And that's the most amazing thing have had the same Qur'an and that is the one that's reflected in the writing. That has been written as well and that's very, very important. There, I don't think there's any other book like this in existence which was memorized in hearts and also written. Right? And then, so how was the Qur'an transmitted through this uninterrupted chain? Through hearts and through the written, the written copies through written copies and through the hearts. So if there was ever a mistake in the written copies, subhanAllah, they, you know, people produce uh, different mushafs, different Qurans, and um, they have to get it checked and checked and checked again because sometimes you, know, you could have a mistake in there. People are going to pick that mistake up. You know, a six-year-old kid who's memorized the Quran or who's still studying will be able to pick up. Likewise, if there's somebody, somebody who just memorized the Quran and he's reading something and he makes a mistake, there's going to be somebody there who will be able to take the mistake out and who will be able to correct him using a written. So that's why in our tradition, both the written and the heart, memorized, are both very, very, very important. And in order to facilitate that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it easy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ فَهَلْ مِنْ مُدَّكِرِ We have facilitated the Qur'an for 
its uh, you know for its remembrance for its memorization you know however you want to uh, however you can the various ways you can read that is there anybody to do that now you see subhanallah the miracle of the quran is that you've got people in non-arab communities who absolutely do not understand a single word of arabic in many cases and yet they've memorized the entire quran and they've not memorized anything in their own language if they're english speaking uh, urdu speaking or uh, or for example somali speaking they may they may not have memorized anything in somali or anything in urdu right but yet they know the entire quran by heart they won't know a single poem in english if their language is english but they know the entire quran at heart and amazingly good enough as an arab as well that's the miracle of the quran that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it, made it such and number 5 which was that it is something which um, you will be rewarded by reading, right? Something you get reward by reading. So essentially that is what it is. The Quran is such that if you recite it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you had no intention to get reward. It's like, this is, my, this is the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I want to read them. You're getting reward for every single letter, you're getting 10 rewards. You don't get the same reward for hadith. You get reward for hadith if you're studying them for the sake of learning and so on. Right? But if you say, I'm just going to read Bukhari just because I want to get reward. Every letter gives me a certain reward. I'm not going to even understand any. I'm just going to read it. You're not going to get that reward. You only get that reward by reciting the Quran, any surah of the Quran, whether you understand it or not. If you understand it, there's going to be a whole other experience, a whole other benefit. But even if you don't understand it, you will benefit. Right? That's, uh, you will get the reward of it. This, inshallah, we'll discuss in a bit more detail as well later in terms of uh, um, some of the other qira'at and some of the other recitations, whether you'll be rewarded for reading some of the more, you can say, uh, the aberrant qira'at. We'll, we'll look at that later, inshallah. But the last point uh, for today is the inimitable nature of the Qur'an, al-mu'jiz. So this essentially will be discussed in a lot more detail later as to how much of the Qur'an... See, I'll, I'll give you a question. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, in Surah Al-Muddathir, ثُمَّ نَظَر Then he looked, right? Then he saw, ثُمَّ نَظَر ثُمَّ نَظَر Two very simple words, ثُمَّ نَظَر In Surah Al-Rahman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مُدْهَامَّتَان it's a verse, but it's only made up of one word, mudhamatan, giving a description, right? I mean, somebody can make up a word like that. And thummanadar can make up a phrase like that. That's not difficult, all right? So is that much considered to be a miracle or inimitable in its nature, right? So I don't want to make this too complex right now, but when we discuss it, I'll explain this in more detail. What is the minimum amount of the Quran that is considered to be inimitable, right? Now, let us look at a few of the verses in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses this. So in Surah Al-Isra, verse 88, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ لَئِنِ اجْتَمَعَتِ الْإِنسُ وَالْجِنُّ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَأْتُوا بِمِثْلِ هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ لَا يَأْتُونَ بِمِثْلِهِ وَلَوْ كَانَ بَعْضُهُمْ لِبَعْضٍ ظَهِيرًا Say to them that if the humankind and the jinn kind uh, came together and combined together to produce the like of this Quran, they would not be able to produce the like of, even if they were to assist one another. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, verses um, 23 and 24, 
وَإِن كُنتُم فِي رَيْبٍ مِّمَّا نَزَّلْنَا عَلَى عَبْدِنَا فَأْتُوا بِسُورَةٍ مِّن مِّثْلِهِ وَادْعُوا شُهَدَاءَكُم مِّن دُونِ اللَّهِ إِن كُنتُم صَادِقِينَ فَإِن لَّمْ تَفْعَلُوا وَلَن تَفْعَلُوا فَاتَّقُوا النَّارَ الَّتِي وَقُودُهَا النَّاسُ وَالْحِجَارَةُ أُعِدَّتْ لِلْكَافِرِينَ if you have any doubt regarding that which we have revealed to our servant, then bring a surah like it, produce a surah like it, even like Inna A'tayna Kal Kawthar. And then call all of your witnesses, besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, call whoever else that you want, if you are truthful, if you're saying that this Quran is wrong or incorrect or is fabricated. If you cannot do this, and then Allah says, You will never be able to do this. If you cannot do this, and you will never ever be able to do this, then protect yourself, protect, protect from the fire, whose fuel is the human being and the stones which has been prepared for the disbelievers. So by this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala produces this challenge. So the Qur'an is something that can never be reproduced. We will inshallah discuss in more detail exactly how many verses that is or how many words that is and all of that detail will come later. We pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to uh, bless us with the Qur'an and illuminate our hearts with the Qur'an and all of these different aspects about the Qur'an. Insha'Allah tomorrow we discuss some of the other names of the Qur'an and then we will be moving into what the types of revelation, how the physically, how the revelation came down the Prophet how what experience the Prophet would undergo, what he would have to do to be able to receive this revelation and how it was processed by him and eventually transferred to us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all uh, uh, and may Allah make this Ramadan uh, uh, better than any Ramadan before it. Jazakallah khair wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.